This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com. And to our Crystal of Truth TR Patreon member, Albert Kesser. Albert's a fellow Aussie and Dark Crystal fan who's actually been on Trial by Stone as a guest before. He makes intricate pattern prints, the kind you'd find a mystic carving into the sands in the forests of Thra. So if you like the Dark Crystal, there's a good chance you'll like his patterns too. You can check out his art and entertainment podcasts on Apple, Stitcher or Google just by searching Albert Kesser. That's Kesser, C-H-E-S-S-A. And check out shirts products with his patterns on them at albertkesser.com forward slash store. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the dark crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Dea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. So, Louise, I just want to say thank you so much for being on Trial by Stone. Great pleasure. Great pleasure to talk to you. I've heard your um, uh, recordings with my fellow puppeteers. Yes, absolutely. I know um, we've had many of the uh, you know puppeteers like um, Neil Sterenberg, um, Alistinian, um, and I know um, uh, Jamie and Sydney, they interviewed them as well as um, Victor Yerid and, and so many others. So you know, I've been been meaning to wanting to get you on the show just to chat. You know, of course, chat about the um, you know of your time working on um, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, which you know, of course, was just a show like unlike anything else, really. So, I mean, you know, congratulations on I think on the success of you know with the show and also you know actually I mean re- reprising the role of the Goromond. Um So that that must have been I, I mean for you that must have been so kind of surreal. Um, sort of going back and you know reprising playing that same character that you once did so many years ago like back back in the 80s for the original film well that was extraordinary because over the years I'd heard that there might be a cartoon there might be you know various reboots of Dark Crystal and I never in a million years thought I would be involved anyway you know the younger generation whatever so to be able back and and still thank god to be physically fit enough to get in because the skexas were grueling in 1981 yes yeah. so, <laughs> you know to, to still be in a condition that i could do it i'm thrilled and yeah. to have done that. i'm so proud to be to do my skexas again yeah absolutely and, and i guess like i mean that's one of the things that i, I i'm really curious because of course you know you, you played the same character back in the original film with the dark crystal and of course you know playing the character again um for age of resistance had, had there been any differences that were made in between the you know you know with the way that the um uh the skexies were sort of you know done or, or was it just more or less sort of the same thing as it felt like you know when you 
portray the character in the original film? Well, it was interesting in, in several ways because these are the Skeksis much younger. They're fairly degenerate, but they're less degenerate. So they're much more verbal at this point, very articulate. And ooh, there was much more talking in this film and in the Age of Resistance and dialogue. So that was interesting. And we felt they were much more physically agile. I mean, they're still, again, as I say, they're pretty degenerate, but they are younger than they are in the film. And one of the main differences, you know, the Skeksis were no easier to manipulate, or they were still heavy, but we weren't constricted by wired monitors. So we had the freedom to move much more. And, and one of Louis in the way he shoots is so, he moves the camera, Louis Leterrier, and he wanted them to move much more. So that was harder, but also gratifying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there must have been, yeah, I mean, quite a lot of challenges, I, I guess, you know, especially with, especially with the Skeksis in this show, move, you know, doing so much moving, of course, like in the original film, it, it seemed like almost a struggle, you know, to, you know, get the characters to move from, you know, point A to point B at times. And and I guess, you know, you could say, I mean, of course you can say, well, they were very, very old, you know, um, Skeksis at that point in time. But I, I guess probably the other thing, I guess, was um, I think it, it, I think it was in the original film, of course, when you were filming with the Skeksis characters, like they all sort of had their own like language. Um, was that something you had to learn, like trying to speak, or were you just sort of speaking, you know, with the original film, like just how the hell that went for you, like yeah? I don't think we had a language when we were shooting. I mean, my character didn't have very much dialogue anyway, more grunts and reedy but I don't remember learning specifically Skeksis language. And, you know, as it evolved and as it was dubbed, it changed um, what they, you know, they didn't originally want the narration. And so it evolved, it evolved as it went on. You know, I, I mean, that, that was the sort of the thing I, I sort of wanted to delve into. Just wanted to know sort of like your, your favourite your favorite memories, like working um, on The Dark Crystal the original. Uh, I, I loved it all. I don't know if I have favourite. You know, the podlings were always such fun to do. And the podling yeah. village, we had great fun doing that, I remember. And, you know, the poor drained podlings as well, the, the mm. drained. Um, and I, re I really enjoyed being a Skeksis. And I loved revisiting it and and finding the humour in my character. And all the Skeksis are so defined by their design and by the performers. You know, the performers bring so much. Um, Helena Smee, who, her, her characterization of her Skeksis was so wonderful. And um, Alice, you know, everyone had very, very particular movement and brought something in additional to the wonderful design that is in the costumes, the sculpting by Brian Fradd. You know, it, it is so... Um, the combination of talents that combine, and the writers, of course, as well, with all the character things. So it is such a communal effect. So I was quite surprised because I was watching the show again a few days ago and thinking, well, I'm quite proud of, the, of particularly in a way, the Skeksis, 
and my movement. And often you just sit there going, oh, oh why did I do that as a performer? Oh, God, I wish I had done it differently. And I thought, oh, actually, that's quite good. I'm quite proud of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, um, is a really nice feeling. Because, I mean, that's the thing, like, when you um, got to be the part of the show and... Like, like, was it much easier to get back into with we're playing we're playing the role again, or um, like, was this? Did you have to do like you know quite a bit of training, or you know, I mean, of course, you know, a lot of rehearsals, I guess, to sort of you know just getting the the feel of you know playing the same you know character again. We worked, you know, the physicality. We had a session on the Skeksis with the director Louis, in which we were again trying to think of the physicality of them. And then in some ways, the Skeksis, although they were hugely physically draining and we could only be them in, in them for a certain amount of time because it was just too too much, they're also joyful in their um, freedom of all the worst parts of us. You know, we bring all our horrible traits to them rather gleefully, and they... The the Gelfling was so hard to make look real and living, and the Skeksis didn't have those restrictions. So although physically they were very hard, in a performance way they were much more freeing and easier to do and, and joyful, despite the the um, restrictions that we kept getting. Oh, the Skeksis are really heavy and uncomfortable. Sorry, we're trying to make them lighter, but here's some armour. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, especially yes. for that. Yeah, the final episode when all the Skeksis are, you know, all out. Yeah, with that armor, just must have added, you know, just quite a few more kilos <laughs> into yeah, and, pounds. And yeah. then here's a sword. Here's a really heavy mm. sword. For you. Yeah. So, dis even despite all those restrictions and things that were so hard, they were also the most fun in some ways to do, because the Skeksis generally look like living creatures the gelfling are very hard, much harder to make work so um yeah so there was a lot of fun with the skexis and um and did you have any sort of fun moments like with, with um playing you know with skeka yuck um you know throughout the um throughout the show so you yeah i i i just loved i loved him when he was peeing up against the wall i say he yeah. we know that they <laughs> are non-specific, um, their sex is, their gender is non-specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so that was fun to do, um, yeah. uh, knowing that it was also fairly gross for everyone. We like a bit of gross. Oh, yes, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is a dark crystal, so you've got to have a bit of that darkness that... Yeah, some of that disgusting moments. And, yeah, I definitely remember, like, when watching that episode, I was like, whoa, you know. And, and <laughs> I, I guess it was, like, moments like that that you probably didn't believe that, you know, wow, we're actually going to put this in the show or, you know, <laughs> being able to push push the envelope in, in, you know, in those kind of things, like, with the show. Yeah, yeah I, you know, there was one sequence that did get edited. I didn't actually see it originally, where the scientist's eye is taken out. Oh, we, right. They did edit a bit of that because it was just, I know the people who saw the first cut went, this is just horrible, absolutely horrible. But there are still, you know, when Celadon is being stripped by the Skeksis and my character drags her off, it's horrible. Oh, I, yes, yeah. Really upsetting. 
yeah that yeah that was an absolute yeah that was a shocking moment like you, you i was just yeah just fearing for her and just like oh my god you know is it gonna get any worse and then it's like oh yeah it was... yeah and and her not understanding um what was going on horrible 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 things but and yet it is the dark crystal as you say and so it was it was very gratifying to feel that we could go to those places. You know, I mean, what was it like sort of, you know, when, when you're being on the set and just, you know, being in the set, say, like with the crystal chamber, was there sort of a bit of a flashback like, oh, wow, you know, so many years have gone by and sort of like, you know, whether, you know, they, they got the set sort of, you know, almost, a, you know, like the original film and all that. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely incredible. Incredible to go back on the set and see the detail in every new set we saw. And again, this thing of the detail and Brian Froud being again involved. It was so wonderful to think that the respect and the love for the original film in everything that everyone was doing and all these people involved who came to it with such love for the original and respect, but hopefully still wanting to move it on, not to keep it in aspect, to develop. And, and you know, my, my phrase always is that Jim and Frank and the original film showed us this wonderful landscape. And here we were taking it on and telling more stories from the original, inspired by and... Um, venerating the original. So, no, seeing those sets was just incredible. And the library set, you know, the beauty of the things that were not in the original. And, and you know, that library set was just incredible. Yeah, I just, yeah, I definitely love, like, all the scenes in the library, especially, like, from episode one as the camera just moves, you know, th flowing through the library and it goes up and then it goes down and... Um, it just just the it just seemed like just the intricacies of just how much work that went into the set, uh, um, you know, with that and and also I think like with um like even like the the pages of the books were all you know sort of all by hand, yeah. You yeah, so that everyone everyone involved the detail of every person on the set, just every department, extraordinary. I would go into the workshop and the detail, you know the 15th Stonewood soldier, and you'd see the detail of their armour, their unbelievable, unbelievable intricacies, so, so inspiring. And, you know, I'm very proud. We have this incredible British film industry and these artisans that are just, you know, breathtaking in their skill, breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely really loved, I think, you know, when they first announced the show and that they were going to film, you know, back at Elstree Studios or, or Langley Studios, you know, in the same sort of where the original film was all, all made. Um, I thought that was really, really awesome for them to sort of, you know, come back home in a way, especially, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, with, you know, having yourself involved with the show, but also a lot of, you know, um, British um, puppeteers and, you know, quite a few others from, from the US and whatnot. So, no, that must have been, yeah, re really awesome to sort of, sort of, I guess, you know, representing, I guess, you know. Well, it was, you know, and Jim loved to work in England. He loved the craftspeople here. And I was a bit sad when they did The Muppets, the film, which, lovely film, but 
they went to the Muppet studio and it was in Hollywood. Well, it wasn't. It was London. It was at Elstree. And, you know, that's now a bit of the mythology. Oh, the Muppets used to be in Hollywood. And they didn't. They were in, in England. And I feel very proud of that. And as I said, Jim loved working here. So the fact that Dark Crystal came back here is is wonderful. And I know... You know, there were lots of wonderful American puppeteers who didn't get to work on it, who would have been fantastic. And I'm sure they were very sad not to be involved. But, um, you know, we had Victor and Alice and Kevin, and they were fantastic. Uh, and all of this time it was the uh, British puppeteers who got to be involved again. Yeah, because, I mean, it definitely seemed like that basically pretty much almost every puppeteer in in London was sort of working on this show. So uh, it was, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, they tried, you know, the Henson tried very hard to get everyone involved, even if it was only for a day to give people, because this, well, there were 12 of us who were the core puppeteers and you know, we're very good, but there are a lot of other incredible puppeteers who only came on one day. You know, there were wonderful people who were assisting us and, and working on it. You know, top, top puppeteers who came in and did hands and, you know, creatures and things. And that was amazing to have those people as part of it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, just just a, just a big collaboration, you know, with, with all the puppeteers and all the crew and, and, and you know, directors and writers, Louis and Jeff and Will and yeah, all, all the mate. The amazing writing, I mean, that, that definitely went into the show. Um, it was just, yeah, just unlike anything. And, um, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if we're ever going to see something like this again, I mean, we're, we're certainly still having our fingers crossed, you know, whether we get that second season or not. So, you know, so it's all, yeah. Well, of course, the whole world is in up in, you know, everything is up for grabs now. Nobody knows what is happening with the situation. But, I, you know, I feel to have been for all of us, the 12 of us who were the core puppeteers, we feel so grateful to have been part of something totally unique, you know, bigger than the original film. Um, an extraordinary thing, an extraordinary thing that Netflix took on. A puppet series, 10 hours of puppets, insane insane thank I know, you I, I, thank I know because th that was the thing like i mean originally like it was pictures yeah it was like an animated series and they're like well we, we like the idea but why don't you do it with puppets sort of thing and um yeah i, I think that was just the biggest surprise that they ever really did they wanted to push you know bringing puppets back no it's insane and you know for all the people Lisa Henson and Halle and the, you, the people who were involved were incredible. It was so much love. And for Netflix to also invest love, yes, a hell of a lot of money, but sort of faith in, in the most bizarre project, a ridiculous project. It doesn't make any sense. It never did originally. No, no. And so people to take that leap of faith in it is just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, no, they they definitely yeah. It was it was probably like it would have to be sort of the biggest risk that Netflix has probably ever done in their, in in their history. You know, of, of Netflix, it's um you know out of all out of all these you know original series shows, I think Dark Crystal you know just has to be you know right up the top. <laughs> well, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And so to have been involved in it, I 
as I say, you know, to come back to it after all these, these years and on such a scale. And initially, um, Lisa Henson, when I talked to her about it, she said, you know, if you want to come back and you can just do a few weeks. And, and I I can't, this is too difficult. I will either be, in, I can't come back and be a guest on it. I won't know how to do it. I need to be involved in the whole thing, train with everybody. It's too hard if I do it. I'm there for the whole thing, and I wouldn't uh, want it any other way. So, and I, it was the right decision. You know, I couldn't have just come in. Yeah, just doing a couple of days, and it's like, oh, that's it. And yeah, you, know, you want to be there for the whole the whole run. Because um, I mean, that that was a thing. Like, I mean, no, like, you know, of course, in the original film, you know, you just played, you know, the, the Skeksis. Um, but on this show, I mean, it, you were reprising the role again, but also you got to perform. Um, you know, the, the quite a few Gelfling characters, um, like with the three Mordras in particular, and more so with um, uh, Mordra Argot. So, um, so w- was that sort of like kind of fun, like always sort of, you know, uh, with puppeteering and Gelfling versus Skeksis, where it's like you would sort of go back and forth between days of, you know, with, with shooting like throughout the show? Yes, I loved, I mean, Mordra Argot was my favourite character, partly because she's a lovely mm. puppet and much easier to work than the rest of the Gelflings, and she's a great character. Um, so I loved that. All Mordra was a really difficult puppet, so I really struggled with her. She had a crown on, she was sitting on a throne. It was very restrictive, but but it was still, it was such a challenge because the material, the scope of the acting, the dialogue, some of it was quite Shakespearean um, mm. in its... Uh, intricacy so it was a huge t- challenge but we all of us the Gelflings were so hard to operate and make look good and it was a real struggle and I know that we all Alice in a way had worked the most on Brea previously and was very familiar with the remote controls and the eyes and so she had um, and, and she's a brilliant puppeteer, you know, there's no getting away from it. She's awesome, Alice is awesome. But for the rest of us coming to it without such experience of that, it was so hard. And um, it took us quite a while. And and all the time, the Gelfling, they were trying different things with the jaws to make them look good. Different things were being put in. They were trying to rebuild them all the time. Um <laughs> So it took a long time to get them into any physical, practical state where people felt in any way comfortable. And it was a struggle. It was a struggle all the way through with the Gelflings. Yeah, because yeah, I know, like, I mean, especially, like, with the original film with the Gelflings, that um, they just seem to be the hardest sort of to pull through, like, especially, I mean, especially with the design, like, you know, how you get a character, you know, that looks human but not too human, but elf-like but not too elf-like just sort of that blend almost a little bit of, of the two and i think that must have been sort of the same like in you know with you know with age of resistance but you know not only that but you got to make you know having like almost like 50 uh Gelfling characters and they're all going to be different because of you know the different clans that they're from and it, yeah it must have been yeah such a yeah very unique challenge i guess um yeah with the show trying um at, at the time yeah yeah it, it really was, and it was it was almost like a perverse, hideous joke of which were the characters were the least successful in the original film. Okay, let's make millions more of them. 
Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Right, I guess. So, the, the, you know, Neil and Alice and Becky and all the puppeteers did a phenomenal job, but it was so challenging, so mm. challenging. To, and in the original film, um, Kathy Mullen, who does a stunning job with Kira, she was not as experienced as Jim and worked and worked and worked to make her puppet as simple as possible. And Jen had much more of a stiff face. And, you know, Kathy, because in a way she knew what she couldn't do, made it so she could work it. Jim always would work anything he was given and never complain. So he tried to work a stiff puppet and didn't. Yeah, I, like, I definitely remember reading, I think, um, there was that biography with um, Jim Henson and um, yeah, definitely mentioned about how, yeah, Kathy Mullen just spent, had a lot more time, you know, trying out, testing out with, with Kira, with puppeteering and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, I mean, Jim, it just seemed like, you know, throughout his life and, you know, pretty much he was working basically every day. So he sort of didn't have it, had as much time sort of getting Jen sort of, you know, perfected, I guess, in, in, in a way that, um, yeah, didn't, just didn't have the time to, you know, just sort of oh, got the puppet, got to film it and there you go sort of thing yeah well, yeah absolutely you know he was directing you know he was he was in every oh, aspect yeah. Kathy went to an acting coach in New York before we started filming she worked on every aspect we had a very tight team I was working the eyes for her um Wendy and um, Melissa Whitmore we were a team and Kathy she, you know Kathy was fantastic and very very serious but she, that was the thing she was concentrated on. She wasn't one of the Skeksis. So that was her focus, absolutely, in a way that it couldn't be for Jim. But it, you can see it. You know, I saw the film again in the cinema just before Christmas, and I thought, gosh, yes, you can really see it in, in her characterization and her manipulation, and it all comes through. Yeah, like even I think when I, I watched, yeah, The Dark Crystal, like, late last year and um yeah just always notice this little you know performances and stuff i mean especially i mean of course even just the little moments like for example with, with kira when she was um in the cave and sort of you know you know sort of hiding behind some wall or, or cave you know from from the skexies and just the fear in her, her eyes it's like wow you know i really believe in this character like at this point of time um that she's really terrified and you know just trying you know get from point a to point b you know to the crystal chamber like just just you know incredible performances like you know especially with the original film and you know we we all did the best we could but the thing the puppets can act you know there is this thing oh well the puppets can't act and the voice people will bring in some voice people and no the puppets absolutely can act and you and they have all kinds of restrictions. Of course they do. Um, but, you know, the performances of the, the puppeteers that they can bring, make these inanimate objects express things. And they can absolutely do that. Um, but, you know, you need to work on it. All puppeteers need to have know about acting, about emotion. You know, if we're doing this kind of thing, you have to, you can't just do manipulation. The manipulation is expressing what you feel. 
And the best puppeteers, you know, Frank did acting lessons, Frank Oz. He, he was interested in that to express things. You know, when you hear Dave Goles talk about his characters, who did Fizgig in the original, um, um, The General, and came and worked on Age of Resistance as well to do Fizgig, he's, he's talking about his characters. It's from great emotion and perception. It's not just, oh, I wiggle my hand. You know, it comes from huge um, imagination, feeling. Yeah, just really getting into the moment, like we're performing the characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess that, that that must have been such a big bonus for you, I guess, like especially with Mor Mordra Argot, you know, getting to, to puppeteer her, but also be able to do the voice for her. Yeah, so that must have been such a yeah a great feeling i guess you know be able to do you know the, the two for you know for a show like age of resistance yeah well well for me you know i combine i'm an actor and a puppeteer so i've always felt my characters are myself and my voice that is so it's always hard when the voice is taken away because i feel that is what i'm doing you know alice is uh, uh, some of the others are much superior manipulators but mine come from a whole much more um overall thing i i feel i bring other qualities you know i'm not the greatest uh, puppeteer manipulator but i bring other things so you know which is the great thing about all the all the puppet performers we all have different abilities and skills it's not like we're a production line of of performers we're not we all have extraordinary skills but they're different and the qualities we bring and and it's also interesting whenever you see a puppet performed by someone else you know you can't just put on someone else's puppet it's not the same yeah there's Each a different vibe to it yeah you can just sort of tell that something just a, is a little bit off for you yeah yeah, and people who don't realise, well, it's a puppet, anyone can do it. Yes, anyone can do it, but anyone will do it differently. And so a lot in this film, when people were doing, we were all doing multiple characters, people did have to swap puppets, but there was always a feeling of, it's not the same. The real, the, the puppet who has imbued this character with their soul is really the one who will do the main bulk of it. You can't take somebody else's character, despite people who don't understand think, well, it looks yeah. the same. You just put it on your hand and it's the same. No, it isn't. It really, really isn't. So was that something that happened? Did it happen during a show where there was like moments where um, you, there, there, there was someone that, you know, puppeteered like, you know, one of your characters, for example, or, do, or did you sort of had a hold on all the characters that you, um, that you performed like? Um, well, there was a point when uh, the Skeksis was in armour and I put my neck, it was just so heavy, and I had to go have um, treatment and someone else took over, another puppeteer took over. And I, um, uh, Andy Heath, who is a wonderful, wonderful performer, he wasn't one of the main 12, and he took over for some, and I was able to work with him. And he was brilliant and I didn't, feel too bad about it because I just couldn't move. I couldn't uh, do it. Um, so I was very lucky that he worked with me and we were able to do that together. But 
always we would try and have, if it was a shot where the puppet, your puppet was featured, in the close, we would try and have the main performer doing it. But but we could always tell the difference. And, and all of us taking over from someone else felt a responsibility and a, I want to do this right. You know, I think I had Brea just for a very brief moment. I thought, I don't want to do this. This is Alice's character. You know, she would do something different. And it's it, it's just so delicate what people bring, the quality they bring to it. Um, and as I say, it's nothing to do with other performers aren't as good. Yeah, they're, they're wonderful, but it is something specific that a performer brings to a character and choices they make that are, diff that are different from anybody else. So it's, it's very hard. As I say, some people don't really get that, how, how special it is. And so I guess like, you know, with, with performing like with Mordra Argot, um, I think what was really unique about her was, you know, I guess, you know, with her character that, you know, that she's, you know, blind, like, you know, with loss of vision. Um, was that because I know like usually, you know, with puppeteering, um, uh, especially you know, like with the Muppets or especially with Gelflings, you know, you, you know, probably the one of the big things is really trying to get the eye line right. Um, you know, when facing characters, was that actually a bit of a challenge like with Mordra Argot that you sort of had, whether you had to get her online just just a little bit off um, with, with portraying her, you know, as someone with, you know, as blind with, you know, the loss of vision that, that she has? Yes. What was... I, I was happy to try that and hope it worked. But what was a problem was that nobody was sure whether it would read what I was doing. So until actually I think the very, very last scene we shot, which was her smashing um, uh, the cane she had to reveal the sword, half of the sword, that was, I think, the very last thing we shot. Until virtually the last scene, they hadn't decided whether she was going to be blind or not. Oh, okay. Oh, so, so it wasn't, like, written in the script that, you know, that she is blind, that... It was. It was just some... It was, oh, okay, well, it was yeah, yeah. written in the script that she was blind. And then when they shot the first scene, they weren't sure how it was reading. And I thought, oh, great. If you decide she's not blind, it would just look like I have focused really badly and I'm a rubbish puppeteer. Great. <laughs> thank you for that choice, having told me that she's blind. So eventually yeah. they did make that decision and thought it would read. But... Um, you know, one is as a puppeteer always facing. It's great to have challenges, and as I said, oh, have I failed? They've decided she may not be blind. Oh, great! Um, that would have been great if we decided that before we shot it. But yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I hope it worked. It was a great challenge to play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because I guess the thing that I loved about Mordra Argot was. Um, probably the fun, the thing I loved about her character was actually her sense of humor. Um, like out of all the sort of the Gelflings, well, I guess more so with the Mordra is that she was the one that sort of had this, um, her sense of humor, um, especially like in, in episode one, when, um, you know, Dietz's father's like, you know, oh, trees can't talk. And, and then, you know, Mordra, I just like, oh, you know, well, maybe they can, you know, except when they can. Um, 
that I just I, I I really loved her character. Um, and I guess I mean she's almost like the um the Gelfling version of Olga, um, in a way, because I mean with her being the oldest of like of, of all the Gelflings, um, out there, yeah. Mm. No, I loved her. I she was great fun to play, and there was lovely. For me, the moment in, I um, can't remember which episode, but when she's describing how she got the sword and, you know, there's a moment of great tragedy when she realises things were all lost and many, many people died. So she uses humour to get through. She's seen terrible, terrible things in the past and knows there will be terrible things coming. She She's sort of aware of where it might go um but she uses humor that and that's kept her going and um she she has a sense of irony and uh yeah yeah trying to keep going through it all and and sees the humor of it all and uh you know she obviously had a crush on or fancied um uh Rianne's dad Ordon she, you know, she sees that Rian is a great warrior, like his dad was. Um, you know, she's a feisty lady. She is, she has lived life, and she's still living it. And she's, yeah, she's great. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, she was definitely like one of my favourites um, on the show, and uh, yeah, definitely certainly hope to see more of her um, as well down the track. Hopefully, fingers crossed, of course. Um, so I guess you know. Um, one of the things I actually wanted to talk about with you, of course, was probably one of the big moments, I guess, for you this year was um, attending uh, the Great Conjunction, which was like the first sort of dark crystal convention, you know, that happened at Elstree Studios um, that happened back in February. I mean, what was what was it all that all like just, you know, being there and just being surrounded by, you know, the fans, but also, you know, with people who, you know, worked on, on the original film and the new show, just sort of that it was almost, it just seemed to be like a really big Dark Crystal reunion of sorts. Well, it was an incredible thing, you know, for me um, mm. to go and be, you know, Steve Wetmire came over, a lovely, to be with all those people, some of whom I hadn't seen for 30 years, Amiel, who'd done the movement on the original film, these wonderful, wonderful people of Brian and Wendy, of course, that was incredible. That was initially why I thought, well, I'm, I'm not going to miss this. Oh, my goodness. Um, but then to see what it had meant to so many people, and I I found that incredibly moving, the people who'd been touched by the film, and something that they have held so dear it's very humbling you know we did that all that time ago and i've done a lot of work since then but but the people treasure it and are so moved by and people telling stories of what it meant to them and how it has inspired them to do art and to carry on their own thing is just wonderful to be part of something that has triggered something so strong in other people is extraordinary I found it very humbling and very moving and wonderful, wonderful. Just, you know, even though, you know, with The Dark Crystal was just this one film, but it's it certainly made such an impact on so many lives. I mean, including my own. I mean, um, you know, The Dark Crystal was just one of those films that that was always just on the back of my mind. Um, and, and in a way that sort of 
got me interested, you know, in, in, in filmmaking in a sense, just always very fascinated of how things were made. Um, and especially watching that behind the scenes, that making of the world, the world of the world of the dark crystal documentary, which is so incredible, like at the time and, um, and being able to sort of see a bit of that with, um, age of resistance with the crystal calls. Um, that was just another fantastic insight into the world and, and everything that yourself and all, all the, the crew and everyone that worked on the film, just what you all did to bring the show to life. It, it, it is just simply incredible. Well, it was, as I said, I am so proud to have worked on it. And everyone worked so hard and it was so tough. And we had to keep reminding ourselves as we're, most of us, I think, not sure if anybody didn't cry, you know, but we all at times, and, and the 12 puppet performers, we were very close and we, we would be, when one of us was down, hopefully the others could come round and support mm. and try and help. But, it, you know, there were days when we all felt, this is too hard, we can't do this. But we, we also knew, we were bearing in mind how lucky we were. Yes, we could do it, we had to keep going and, and trying to keep in mind the goal. But anything, you know, as Jim always said, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And it wasn't easy. And, and we hope, and there are still bits that I know we, when we all of us watched it, we, we had um, a group of us got together with Neil, all of us that were available in England and watched the series when it first came out at his place. And, um, you know, there were bits where we had our head in our hand. Oh, why? Oh, God, I hate that bit. That's so bad. You know, because we care, because we care. Or, oh, that came out really well. We didn't expect that bit. Well done. You know, we were so proud of each other, having seen what it cost everyone. And to see the work that everyone had done and to see, you know, how well people had done. Yeah, so so we'll probably wrap it up. Um, but I just want to say, Louise, um, thank you so much uh, for being on on Trial by Stone. Oh, it's absolute pleasure. And the great thing you should know is that when any of the other puppeteers, we have a joke that when we listen to the podcasts going out, we do clean. <laughs> Everyone cleans their bathroom to someone else's podcast. So I wish everyone a clean bathroom. <laughs> thank you so much, Louise. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast and on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. If you'd like to support the show, subscribe to the podcast, write a review on Apple Podcasts and consider being our Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash dark crystal podcast thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of trial by stone this podcast is brought to you by thamescon bringing conventions to oxford and london including the great conjunction the first ever Dark Crystal Convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com.
and to our Crystal of Truth tier Patreon member Albert Kessa. Albert's a fellow Aussie and Dark Crystal fan who's actually been on Trial by Stone as a guest before. He makes intricate pattern prints, the kind you'd find a mystic carving into the sands in the forests of Thra. So if you like the Dark Crystal, there's a good chance you'll like his patterns too. You can check out his art and entertainment podcast on Apple, Stitcher or Google just by searching Albert Kessa. That's Kessa, C-H-E-S-S-A. And check out shirts, products with his patterns on them at albertkessa.com forward slash store.